Saying low, Apple Music. Oh man, I remember the long hair. I remember the long hair and the moustaches and the flared blue jeans and the angular shows where it was just like those four guys heads down, get through the songs faster than they were recorded and get off the stage. Those were exciting times if you were a fan of Kings of Leon right at the very beginning. I mean, it was an exciting time for rock and roll. It just seemed like every day a new band was coming out inspired by the strokes and just wanting to make this sharp edge guitar music. But Kings of Leon were different. Their story was mired in rumor and myth about them being a boy band with guitars who'd been put together by these mysterious figures out in the middle of nowhere in America. But as time told the tale, the real through line is family and spirituality and church and the desire for adventure and to some degree, reluctant fame, even though Kings of Leon were a band that had complained about not having it for so long when they finally did get it with Sex on Fire, Use Somebody in that album, they were wrong-footed. And in particular, judging from the many conversations I've had with him, Caleb has been trying to walk a thoughtful path through that success ever since, which brings them to their latest album, aptly titled When You See Yourself. Yes, five syllables, some things never change. But what has changed is the way the band have matured and grown into themselves. What at times was a challenging experience trying to get members of Kings of Leon to lean into their familial chemistry in interviews, it is now a very natural, easygoing environment. I've lost count with how many times I've spoken to this band, but every time I feel like I learn something new. The ever-reluctant and simultaneously charming Kings of Leon join us right now on the interview series. Wow, man. Good to see you. Some old friends and new surroundings, right? Look at this. I wish we were in person. I always really enjoyed seeing you in person. The last time when we got to do it in Nashville was really special, but I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad you're not waiting anymore and we're getting this album out. I can't even imagine how you feel finally getting a chance to share this music. Um, who wants to jump in? Nathan, let me start with you. How does it feel to finally know that the people are going to get to hear this music that you so lovingly put together and you've been waiting to put out? Uh, it feels wonderful. I mean... You know, it's been a it's been a long wait sitting on this music, and it's always difficult knowing that you have something that you're really excited for uh, everyone to to get to hear, um, and then being told you have to sit on it for a minute was tough. But it also gave us a chance to live with it for a little while, and uh, it's still just as fresh today as it was on the first listen. Yeah, I wanted to ask that because this is unusual for everybody, and and it's unusual for you. You've never. You know, you've moved fast. I mean, we'll get to this a bit later on, hopefully, but five albums in the first seven years of the band's existence. I mean, you barely finished the record and you popped it out and put it out and toured it, you know? So this is the complete opposite of that, Caleb. I mean, you know, to have written these songs and actually lived with it and only you and your closest family and friends have lived with this album now for a while before we even got a chance to hear it. Was it kind of special in a different way to sort of, you know, different relationship to the songs than you've had before? The relationship's normally on stage, right? Yeah, I, I think there was something refreshing about it because we we put in the work and we worked really hard. And then we had the option to either listen to the music or not listen to it or whatever. And we had like, you know, a year to kind of sit there. Um, and I chose to not really listen to it. I was worried that I was going to like want to change things. And, you know, um, but when I did finally listen to it, I was very pleased and i was like wow I'm, I'm glad you know we had this chance to kind of you know reflect on it and if we did want to change something we could have gone back and done it but i think we had put in the work and it was it was 
the album that we wanted to put out. Yeah, I can imagine it was emotional for some of you as well to to have some space and to listen back to your own music. Maybe even, maybe I'm going too deep here, I don't know, but maybe even the first time you had a chance to hear your music from a fan's point of view. Because like I said, you know, you put it out and then you tour it. And your whole experience is the reaction that the music gets between you and the crowd and the songs right in the middle of that. But you never get to listen to your album the way I get to listen to your album. Because, you know, you finish it, you put it out, it's done, right? You get to come back and listen to it and go, wow. I mean, did anyone get emotional at times listening back to this record because of the fact that it was, it was just waiting to be heard? I mean, yeah, it was super weird. It, it was really weird. I, I, too, made the choice to not listen just because I was terrified to maybe not think it was as good or not like it at all. And yeah, and like you said, it's just like a fan. I mean, I couldn't remember anything. It had almost been a year and I put it on and I was, I was happy that I wasn't like mad, you know, like <laughs> it sounded, it sounded. <laughs> what you're listening to right now, ladies and gentlemen, is an artist struggling to give themselves a compliment. I've been listening to it now for 30 years in varying different shapes. And that's one of the best ones. I was just really glad that I wasn't mad. <laughs> the music. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's true. I'm glad it did not make me vomit when I listened to it. That's so funny. I mean, I'm sure you're right. Um, but no, it was, um, it was uh, just like I had remembered it and I felt the same way about it. And uh, it just made me so excited to finally uh, let everyone else hear it. So yeah, it was weird feeling uh, the closest we could ever feel to uh, like what a fan feels. Yeah. It's always bummed me out. It's always been a big part of, you know, the, the one side of the conversation that really I never, I, I, I struggle with, which is I ask artists all the time, do you get the feeling I get? And it's like, nah, but then you get the process of making it. And that's, and that's the true joy. You get to go through the process of, of expressing yourselves and finding what you want to say in this particular moment in time, which brings me to a very rare moment for me in conversation. I spent 30 plus years interviewing artists to get away from the, what does the album title mean question, but I can't escape that as a starting point here today. Um, because, because it really resonates as words, you know, as a collection of words, um, the idea of what, what it means, uh, when you see yourself, we don't often we don't, we're not often self-aware enough in our lives to be able to acknowledge that. Um, Caleb, I'd love to hear from you about, about where that, that title came from and, and, and what it sort of means or has come to mean. I mean, I, I have to kind of take myself out of the conversation because I did write the words, um, but it was the other guys that connected with them in a way to where they were like, this should be the album title. It was a, kind of a, you know end of a song go in there and just like sing a little tagline at the end of the song kind of thing and i i wrote those words down and i went in there and sang them all of our album titles are five syllables and after i sang them uh when i came back into the 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 room uh the guys were all kind of looking at each other and they were like that's the album title and i was like really because uh, you know I, I didn't really think of it like that but now in hindsight looking back at it it's like wow it's you know after all of this that we've all gone through together you really do have to take a hard look at yourself and see exactly who you are and how you can handle situations and how you can uh be a part of the solution and be a part of some, you know even if it means now you have to cook your own meal or you have to make your own bed or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so now I think I relate to it a little more than when I actually wrote the, the words down on paper, but the guys had 
you know, they, they were the ones that had the feeling that like this means something more than what you just said. It resonated with me uh, pretty strongly just because, I mean, I think I've probably said this, but, you know, just as we get older and you can't control certain things and you try, you eat the same way, but you just keep getting fatter <laughs> and your nose never stops growing and your hair is falling out and all these different things. Stay off my Wikipedia, Jared. It's just unacceptable. <laughs> if, you, if you want to talk about how I've changed in the last three years, just tell me to my face. Yeah, stop dancing around the <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of like trying to connect with yourself and like ask yourself, like, what do you see when you see yourself? And sometimes it's, you know, you're way harder on yourself than anybody else would be. And it's just like a good question to ask yourself, you know, like, what is it that you see when you see yourself, when you look in the mirror or even metaphorically, you know? Um, and so I, I don't know, it really kind of just struck with me and it kind of just grew from that. And we kind of, it kind of shaped the vision of the whole album from, you know, that point on. Mm. You know, Matthew, I, I did want to come back to you because, you know, everybody's now in a situation in your lives where you're able, you've, you've found a, a balance between maintaining the passion of being in the band and what, and what that brings, the responsibilities of what that brings, but you've offset some of that youth and young manhood into family life. And you've been able to now find that sweet spot between raising families and being present, but also being in a band and not sacrificing the momentum or what that takes. I mean, in a way, thank God, you have responsibilities and opportunities to be still in the last 12 months. If you'd been that band on album one or two and this had happened, you would have gone fucking crazy, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, and it and it would have just changed. I mean, this this would happen on album one or two. I mean, and I feel really bad for for new bands. It would have changed everything. I mean, we maybe would have you know maybe it would have never been because you know it was about seeing us in the live show and and you know seeing being with as many people as possible. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's really tough for and I feel for people you know and and especially young bands and young musicians and they can't you know be out there. But we get to be with our families. You know, we, we we take more time between albums now, which is, you know, may, probably mainly because, you know, we, we're family men and we, we need to be there. And that's what we've done, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a space between between walls and this, mm -hmm. you know, and you toured walls. You, know, you went and did what you did well. You know, you took it to the road and you toured and you and you and you were faithful to that record. Um but but how is it different when when the process ends this time? Um, you know when it, when a tour ends and and but like I said, you know two albums in two years, one and two, bit of a space between two and three, understandable huge creative um, growth between album two and album three sets you up for the rest. But then it was just like bam bam bam, you know. So you you played catch up five albums in seven years. You played catch up. Um, when you think back to that. What do you think was motivating all of that energy in the beginning? If you could put it into words, the good and the bad. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, there are certain words that I won't use, but I think you we want me uh, to fill in the gaps. <laughs> 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 no, I, th I think it was. I do think we were high on the fact that we would go to the UK and we were like big time. You know, we would go over there and we would play big shows and we would have fans waiting outside of our hotels and you know weird stuff that we would then come home to you know not that obviously you know we fed off of the fact that we did have a career even though no one in our hometown knew it um and it made us want to work and we were also at the same time we were discovering new music and new things and and 
we were growing as men. We were like, seriously, like our lives were changing. Um, and so every experience we had, we would come home and we just put it into music. And, you know, when you're doing that, you look up and it's like, wow, we've, like you say, we've made five albums in seven years and it didn't feel like that. You know, it just felt like we were living our dream and, you know, something that we never thought would actually come true was coming true. We just kept feeding the fire. And back then we, we did a lot of um, writing on the road as well. Like our sound checks would be us trying out new material. And at the end of that touring cycle, whatever songs had kind of risen to the top that we found ourselves just playing more and more, that would be the blueprint for the next project. So I think that's how we were able to put so many out because we were, we really never stopped those creative juices where it's like, Oh, we're starting a tour. So we're just going to focus on this tour. And then when it's over, we'll take a little break, then write and then start the next record. Um, But I think the fact that we were just so hungry and, loved what we were doing that um the creative juices were just constantly flowing back then for sure i mean that's the machine that that, that gets referred to right um when you have a moment of clarity and you talk about the machinery that builds around a band or around an artist or around a passion and it could be sports as well anything where you're highly focused you know the timeline is pretty straightforward right passion captures your imagination imagination then then, then breeds into some kind of ambition ambition then re- leads to results results leads to a team a team leads to a machine and machine leads to this perpetual energy of just like perform 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 at all times it's epic but it's also up so it's like so did any of you find it particularly sort of challenging in your own way when you realized that you could step out of that and it it was sort of around the mechanical bull time right heading into walls and what's become your new way of working which is you seem to be in a really good space with it now but was it challenging at first trying to figure out how can we be kings of leon and not be in that machine i mean i think that comes to you know there's a point when you go from constantly being together playing music writing music um, to where you do start to, you know, have a little bit of separation from that and have a normal life when you do come off the road. And instead of taking two months off, you take six months off, and then you take a year off. And you, do, and you start to develop like a normal life. And then you also start to realize that, you know, you're your own individual. Um, I, I don't know. There's something about that, that the creative process you put it on the back burner a little bit as much as you can. It's very hard for me to do that because it always hits me at the same time. It might not be every year, but whatever year that I'm home, I go out to my farm and we do Christmas. We have big, you know, family celebration and stuff. And it's usually about two days after Christmas that the, it's not depression, but it kind of is, you know, it's like the, the end of the party and you know you're kind of sweeping the floor going like all right that was fun now what and that's always when it hits me and i go into my office and you know i'll go in there to do something you know whatever it's whatever i think i'm going in there for it's always there ends up being a guitar in my hands and that's when the process starts and I'll start calling the guys and saying like, Hey, do you guys want to get together and rehearse? So to me, it's like, there's a time of year when I'm very creative and we just happen to now have family and stuff. So sometimes that time of year gets pushed a year down the road, but it's always the same time whenever, you know, 
whenever I start going, all right, let's, you know, I've been kicking the can down the road long enough. It's time to get this stuff out. So this was like January 2nd, 2019. Yeah. And what was the first song that you wrote, Kayla? What was the first thing that sprung to mind? Did it make it on the record on January 2nd when you picked the guitar up? Was there an idea that turned into something? Yeah, there was two. The first night was um, 100,000 people and Echoing was the first night. Wow. And then the second night was two more. And the- that is a sweet start. When you can pick up an acoustic guitar or an instrument and on January 2nd, whilst everyone's taking the tree down, you're singing, you do, you, that's a sweet start to something. That's like, and also that's new territory because it has all the hallmarks of, of a wonderful Kings of Leon moment. But there's something about that song, just to focus on it for a second, deserves it, which feels like it's sort of writing itself. Like it's just following this thread from from start to end with little distraction or interruption you know that's what it feels like to me like was that what it, what it was like to write did it just float out of it no no i mean there's a lot of it that was kind of writing itself or like flowing into the next thing but sometimes you know when that happens you go with it and this i felt like it was too important so i actually stopped and made sure you know that i had dotted my t's and crossed my eyes jk but <laughs> I was actually saying do 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 do. I was doing like a, a Velvet Underground thing. It was Matthew that was the one that was like, "You need to be saying something." He's like, "Don't just throw it away." He said, "Say something." It was a little deeper than he thought, but I was like, "He's right. I should say something." I do remember like going in there and telling Matthew, "I was like, hey man, I got it." I was like, "You know, it's gonna be you do." And before it was even you do, I was like, "I." I found the line that's going to make it make sense you know like nothing makes me nothing makes me feel the way you do you do you do you do and he was he was so excited he gave me a big kiss <laughs> it's a beautiful moment it was the i think it might have been the first song that i was played very early on when a couple of songs were kicking around amongst a very small group of people um and I was just like, to my point, I was just blown away by the sentiment of it. And also some of the words, you know, and the, and the language that you use on this record, um, it's quite cinematic. The way that you're painting pictures is quite cinematic. You know, the roses on the table, you know what this is. You know, there's a real sense of like some, some, some kind of stories being told here. And I'm not quite sure how I align them. Normally in the past, I'm able to connect them pretty closely, at least in my mind, to where you're at as, at, at your life this point in your life, this feels like you're sort of creating characters in a strange way. Yeah. I don't know if I was creating characters. I was searching for characters. Uh, I was searching for a vehicle to kind of get out little pieces of myself without being obvious. So yeah, I mean, I, I spent more time on this album than any other getting the guys together. You know, we'd all grab a coffee in the little room beside the studio and I'd be like, I well, what if I wrote about this or what if I wrote about that? And I would pick little characters and little moments. Like I said, you know, to where I could really get a storyline going and then I could sneak myself into it from time to time. I don't want it to be like, I feel like if I ever write stuff that's very obviously about my personal life, a lot of people go like, oh, that's, you know, I I related to that, but it doesn't really go anywhere from that. with this, I was like, well, I'm going to make it about something else and I'm going to, you know, stink my, my things into it. And like 100,000, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty close to an experience that I had actually had with my wife, her dad, 
passed away and he passed away from, uh, you know, he had dementia, Alzheimer's. Unfortunately, I, I experienced that and saw it happening. And so I found a way to use the beautiful melody to kind of talk about it a little bit. That's going to ring true now in a big way for me and for many others. You know, my mom has developing dementia. And when I listen to that song now, it's going to, it's going to mean something altogether different. But I could tell that you were searching for something that you, you had experienced almost from a, from a slightly more distanced place. I could tell in the song that you were searching for a way to describe that. It's a beautiful song. When I think about the playing on this record, and I think about the classic chemistry that you have as a band that have done from, from day one. It always pissed me off that people felt that you just like woke up, put on your guitars and landed into a sound. Like I knew you'd put the effort in. You can't play like that unless you've all put hours into really learning how you fit together as a unit, regardless of family. But you somehow gone back to that. You found a way to get back to that naivety a little bit on this record. And as from a fan's point of view, I don't know what it was with you and, and, and Marcus, but it feels like Kings of Leon are just, you're able to get in the room and feel it out from a human level. Can you, can you, can you sort of open up the process a little bit for us in Nashville in the studio that you recorded it and what it was like to make? We start in the, uh, in our rehearsal space and we just start, uh, we just start jamming and it's just probably what you hear us finding ourselves is just us playing so much, um, so much pre-production, you know, and writing the songs. We have to do that every day for, for months and months on end. You know, Jared had a lot of ideas and starts out with, you know, like a bass or a guitar idea. And Caleb, like he said, he comes in with like more developed ideas for us to start on. Yeah. We work our butts off and, and try to make it something. And then, um, then we feel it's time. We, we send stuff to Marcus or we have him come in or the producer or whatever. And then we feel like it's ready. We go into the studio and, spend a lot of time you know making it sound exactly how we we want it to sound you know and and just fine-tuning everything so that's kind of the process from start to to release when we think it we're like all right we finally you know we've we've kind of knocked the dust off enough to where this is perfect and then you send it to marcus and he's like okay yeah we've got a lot of work to do it's like really we've already done a lot of work <laughs> um, when you're working with someone like him, it's more than a one thing process. You know, we get it to a point to where we think it's great. And then he comes in and goes like, ah, yeah, it's not great. You know, it can be much better. And, you know, that's, that's why he's as good as he is. You know, he really, he, he, he pulls it out of you. He always has an idea in his head of where the song is already going to go. And so it's neat to see us playing what we want it to be and then his idea of what it is and those two worlds kind of eventually meshing in harmony. In harmony on a good day, man. The stakes is high when you've got someone <laughs> who has a very clear idea about where a song needs to go and a band that's as forthright with the work ethic as Kings of Leon. It's amazing that you've been able to find somebody that you can share that experience with. Yeah, it's especially hard when the place that he sees the song going is the garbage can. Wow. That's always the hardest part. So he's a thrower. He chucks, he, he's a chucker. He chucks songs away. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's the hardest person we've ever worked with, but it's the most rewarding by far because we're extremely self-conscious, but we're also kind of confident in, in certain areas. And he doesn't really let you be that way at all. E either one. He won't let you be self-conscious. He won't let you be overly confident. 
He just works your ass off until you can be the very best. Something really sort of genuine and, and lovely was said about an element of Kings of Leon, which is amongst fans, was well, well documented, which is the importance of Jared's bass playing. Every single member of this band brings an essential element to what makes the group incredible. Um, but Jared, your bass playing has been from day one, really, and a really important part of what motivates the songs. And on this one in particular, definitely. And I've never really dived into the specific nature of that in the past with you. Um, it's a treat to have the guys around too. So we want to weigh in on that, but you know, what is it that you're really trying to achieve every time that you realize it's time for you to make a contribution? Because that contribution is unique. I mean, I think in the very beginning, it was just trying to have a place in the band. Um, I had to teach myself to listen to bass, to be able to hear the bass, just to be in the band. And so I would go back to songs and be like, oh my God, yeah, that's the bass. You know, and I'd never realized I, I liked that part of the song, but I just thought it was guitar. Or, you know, I was pretty musically stupid, honestly, when we first started. And so just trying to find melody to make the bass stand out a little bit more. And I never really just wanted to be the typical bass player who kind of just fits in with the drums. And luckily, Nathan was a lot better than I was, and he could play to me because I was not good enough to play to him. Um, and so I just wrote melody, and all of the bass lines that I loved were melodic. And so I've just always been driven, first and foremost, by melody. And it, I think that that's important if you want to you know, be a, a bigger part of a band and not just kind of be a background you know, noise yeah, tough for you, I'm sure, coming at it from your age as well. And that moment of like, well, I got my two bros here and my cousin. Like, I can't see them travel around the world and live this life, this excitement. That it's just, I'm going to get it, getting, getting all these stories secondhand, you know, like, hey, we're in Italy. Like, great, I'm here in Nashville. Totally. You know, it, it must have been like stakes as high for a while there. When did you actually feel like you were safe in the band? I'm just going to use that term. I've never thought about that before. I guess I could have been fired early on because I was not very good. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I kind of felt safe from the beginning because we're, you know, family and I contributed. I tried to in other ways besides the bad bass playing. And like, I, I would just like bring songs and, and like other people's songs, not my own, <laughs> like mixtapes and stuff. And just like kind of try to bring a little bit of influence and uh, a little inspiration. And, and just I cooked and I would clean up a little bit at the studio. Um, so I brought other things besides just the bass. And so I didn't think that I was going to get fired. It's true. And it's true. You know what? Be being one of the three brothers is an important aspect there. You're safe. Matthew, how does it feel to have never truly felt safe in the band for the last 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird you said that to him because I was like, well, geez, I guess I could have, well, I was probably the one that honestly was never safe. <laughs> I still don't know if I'm safe, you know. We Who talked knows? about it a lot. They, yeah, they got side texts going on that I'm, group chat, <laughs> chats that I'm not on. I know, I know it. I can feel it. Group chats, bro. They got bank, they, they got talk bank, about they me. got investments, they got bank accounts. This shit I know about you have no idea about, man. <laughs> I think I'm the only one that they've tried to kick out, actually, so... Yeah, but there's a reason for that because, and and I'm I'm gonna okay, I'm, I'm gonna lay my I'm gonna lay my ass on the line here. Uh -oh. There's a reason for that. That's because I think, I, in my opinion, I feel like Caleb. I th I think there's been a push and pull with you, hasn't there, through this of what you're capable of, and and what people see in you versus whether or not this is entirely what you feel comfortable doing at times, or even thought you would do with your life. Is there has there been some 
some, a tug of war there within yourself at times through this life? I mean, sure. I think it's uh, anyone that commits to something, you know, like this, you have to be somewhat narcissistic. You know, it's like, how can you believe that people give a shit about what you do or what you think or, you know, and it's the guys, you know, that have pushed me and gave me the confidence to keep going and to keep doing it. And now more than ever, you know, I'm older than Jared and Matt, you know, when there comes a period where we want to be lazy, I'm like, yeah, let's be lazy, you know? Um, but I, you know, they, they're the ones that kind of give me the confidence to keep going. And every time I listen to a song that inspires me, uh, you know, there's something in me saying I'm not as good as that. And it's probably true. Uh, you know, it's, it's like practice makes perfect. Every song you write, you've learned something from the one before. It's like shooting free throws in basketball. You know, you learn and you, you get better and you get better. And eventually there's going to come a point. It may have already come and we, we're refusing to admit it, but, uh, you know, eventually there comes a point when people are kind of like, all right, yeah, we heard your story. That's enough. No chance. So that's why I find it's important to write other people's stories and find other avenues to kind of talk about and sing about. And But I give all the credit for everything on this album to the other guys. Uh, Jared, Nathan, Matthew, they, they, they were the uh, inspiration behind the album. They did a lot of work, a lot of work. Thanks, buddy. There's just no fucking way in hell that, that that you can put an album out like this and 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 the story comes to a natural conclusion. I mean, I want to refer to a song called "Golden Restless Age," which is one of those songs on every Kings of Leon record. There's a there's a moment or two or three or maybe a whole album that just knocks you around the head and it's just like, holy shit! I just did not know that that was coming. And that song is that it blew me away. That song it is like every little bit of what made the '80s so weird and wonderful, but just totally dressed up in your clothes. And the, some of the guitar playing on it, Matthew, I'm assuming that's you. That really, really discordant refrain that you just keep bringing over and over again is just so fucking odd. Like I love that song so much, and I can sort of tell on the face of two of you that you agree with me. I don't know about the other two, but Matthew, I'm gonna come to you. Like, what? Do, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Wrong. That song's fucking killer. I like that song. Thank you for your compliments on it. Um, no, it's funny because it's like a thing within the band of who likes it and who doesn't. So I'm like, I'm kind of like, I like that song. Like that's a, that's knew, a good. Okay, that's okay, a good okay. I'm a guest, so I knew that Jared wasn't feeling because okay, this is what Matthew was doing. Matthew was doing this, and Jared was doing this, uh. and Caleb was doing this. Because what he was seeing was this is about to unfold. And Nathan, for the life of me, I'd never been able to fucking figure you out. So I have no idea. Nathan's going to sleep for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a drumstick to throw at somebody. He'll be back. He'll come alive when it's time to go on the road again. Um, so what's going on here? What's with that song? I can love it. So I'm team Matthew, but what's up with that? I don't know. You know, we're, we're kind of still at the beginning. We haven't even released the album yet. So we're, we're still talking about singles and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you could kind of, you can kind of guess that, you know, hearing your compliments on that one, you know, could push it one direction or the other. I don't know. Totally. For the record, it's it's in my top four for the record. I love it. I like uh, Golden Wrestle Sage. It's in my top 11 on the record. <laughs> Caleb, you're being very discreet here. I actually like it a lot. I think it's when I do listen to it, I, I genuinely enjoy it. No, I don't hate it either. 
No, I know. You wouldn't put it on if you did. But you're entitled to have favorites and ones that aren't. What's your favorite, Jared? It's hard. It, just like most albums, I mean, I kind of listen to our album similarly to listening to other artists' albums. And it's hard to say like a favorite because some are fast and some are slow and some are more emotional and some are more lighthearted. But I tend to kind of lean towards, uh, and I try not to ever like pick my own ideas that I brought because I feel like that's somewhat unfair. But I love a wave. And I think it's just because we worked so long and so hard on it that if I didn't say that, I'd probably jump off a bridge or something because <laughs> I felt like we honestly worked on that song for about eight months and it changed so many times. Um, and I'm just proud of where it ended up, but I really like all of it. It's so hard to hold on to a song like that over that period of time. Neil Finn said to me once, you know, there's some, there's some, there's something kind of um, brilliant about being able to let a song go and, and not, and not actually feel like you have to see it through. Like it's okay. Like, I'll take elements from uh, and move on. You know what I mean? And, but it's hard. Um, why did you stick with the wave? Because man, trust me, there is a land full of, full of hundreds of millions of songs that didn't get worked on for a day, let alone eight months. You know, when, whenever that song came about, the other guys had kind of left our personal studio and, uh, it was me and my, our buddy, Liam, who plays with us on, on tour. And I had these lyrics and I was like, man, there's, they felt cool to me, you know, uh, drying out in this weather, filling up parasites, that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, this feels, feels interesting, you know. And so he played the piano and did basically what's on the song, just like boom, boom, just like these chords. And it was one of the songs that when we sent the uh, demos to Marcus, he listened to it and he was like, yep, okay. I've heard that. That's fine. Which I don't know what the f that means. I was like, is that good? He's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that one. I heard that one. And that's his way of saying it. No, I think he liked I think he. I think he knew it was immediate. I think he knew immediately that it was really good. That's his way of saying, that's fine. We don't right, need right, to work right. on that one. That, that's going to write itself. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> oh, my God, was he wrong. We did it several different ways, several different times. Anytime we were like, oh, yeah, you know, we're not going to do that. That song is too much work. It always came back to the lyric and the lines. And it was like, there's something that's pure about it. We're going to make it work. And when we finally got it right, all of us were just like, the nightmare is over. <laughs> we, we found a way to, you know, put it on the album. And we're all very proud of it. It's one of my proudest moments on the album. I think that with Marcus, uh, why we why we work so well together is because we both really believe in albums, and you know you need certain things to make a great album, like you know slower songs, and you need the right balance of you know faster songs, and you need the right emotion and, and everything. And I think with that song, it was just finding that finding that place where it fit in with all the other tunes because it changed quite a bit. You know, it's like we threw ev we threw everything in, and then we took it all out. And then we put some back in and then we put it all back in. It was just like over and over to try and make it work. And then, yeah, finally we just found that perfect balance and you know, it's, uh, I couldn't imagine the album without it. Balance is a key word. I think, um, at this point, uh, in our conversation history, because, you know, when you're young and you, and you, and you sort of throw yourself out into the world and people respond and doors open and planes fly and, crowds show up and stuff. Balance isn't something that you think about. It's not really high on the 
priority list. And that can have a real effect on relationships, even, even ones as close as family, you know, and, and that's been well documented, man. You made a, you made a whole movie about it. Um, and you've made more than enough songs about it. I'm sure even subliminally that we're not even aware of the nuances of the subject matter, but, but you seem to be in a really good balance. Like, like what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing in the record, more importantly, is a band that's found a way to communicate in a really loving way through music, not just through family. Is that a fair observation at this point in the Kings of Leon history as we sort of entering into our third decade? Yeah. I felt like this time we really had it like, I feel like we had it figured out. Like from the time that we, we went into Neon, we went into our studio to um, to start pre-production. It just like, even like from that first week, I was like, man, we really seem like we all really agree on everything, like how we think it should sound and what types of music inspire us at the moment. And I, it just kept going and going. And, and that's also why it was why, uh, when you see yourself, you know, cause I just felt like, Oh, we could just see what we wanted. And it was just like clear and we all had a really fun time doing it. So, I mean, I think yeah, we definitely have found that balance. Yeah. This was definitely the most on the same page that we had all been on going into a project. I believe in the past, Jared and Matt were like the younger voices that would bring cool type music that me and Caleb might not would be listening to. Um, so there were times when we were kind of in different directions going into a project, but this one was definitely from the first time we got together in Neon Leon to kind of just kick around ideas. We all four naturally kind of went to the same place. There was like this just natural vacuum. Um, and that makes it so much easier when you're not feeling like you're having to swim upstream yeah, yeah. to get a song as, as a group. Um, and I think that made a big difference. There's a lot to be said about, um, you know, the way friction works in the creative space. And we've, we've all, we've all heard and loved those albums, but in many respects, I can imagine that you must feel free, you know, and in a weird way, free of, of anyone else's expectations, because of course you want people to love this album and, and shows will be played again and tickets will be sold. And that will be a very clear benchmark as to whether or not people still love your band. And we do. But it must be, it must just feel lovely to be able to feel like, wow, the most important thing is intact, which is the four of us can get into a room and find some peace and make some music and no one can ever take that away. And therefore you must feel free. Yeah. I mean, I think so. It was super important for us to like, feel like we made an album that we really, really, that we liked or whatever, and kind of just made it, made it for us and try not to think about anything else. Um, so I felt like that was was really really important, and we just kind of we we kept we kept that the whole time. We didn't even think about radio or anything like that. If you look at the record, I think every song averages like four and a half minutes or something like that. So we didn't really set ourselves up for radio success. It was just more like play the song while it feels good, and when it's you know when it's time to end the song, we end the song. You know, we didn't think about like, well, they're not going to play that on the radio because it's too long. But it's like, yeah, it looks good. That's why we loved you in the first place is because you were motivating yourselves. And don't get me wrong. You somebody's a fucking banger. They came on the radio again the other day and it's just like, holy shit. That's a hall of fame. Like if you're going to write a song for the radio, write that one. But um, what I love about the band is the noise you make as four people, regardless of anyone else's expectations. That's why I love this album. I really love this album. I mean, you know, it's one of my favorite Kings of Leon albums ever. And to say that now and coming into like, you know, 22 years, 23 years, I appreciate your time. It's been a fun 45 minutes. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's not wait five years next time. Thank you very yeah, much. Thanks Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank for, you. For sure. 
Real talk and honesty from all four members of Kings of Leon. Really interesting now to be able to talk to them at this point in their lives. Each of them raising families and striving to find that balance between being a rock star and being a human being. Best form they've ever been in. New album, When You See Yourself, is fantastic. Don't let it slide. Listen to it on Apple Music. If you love the interview series, please leave a comment, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week.